they continue creating more money. So we're used to an inflationary currency that's always creating more volume of currency. I call that inflation. It's really the valuation of the buying power. Uh, when I was a kid in the in the late 60s, you know, the equivalent of $1,000 then is about $9,000 now. So it's devalued quite a bit. Bitcoin is different and it takes a little while to get used to this. There's only 21 million Bitcoin ever. They're not making more. Hey, investors, you're listening to the Investing to Win podcast, the show dedicated to empowering investors to achieve financial freedom and live your best life. This show is committed to offering honest conversation between investors, common sense strategies, real-time market updates, and professional guidance to achieving financial freedom. Investing doesn't have to be super hands-on or complicated. We are all about passive investments with real gain, so you have freedom of time and money. Your host is none other than Garrett Wong, who brings decades of experience in buying, renovating, and managing cash flow investment properties. Thanks for being here and get ready to invest to win. Hello, investment community. This is Garrett Wong, your host of the Investing to Win podcast. Today, I'm pleased to have a guest that is going to demystify the world of Bitcoin for us. Chris Rivas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah. Um, we actually met on social media, as as most most uh, things happen these days. So I don't know a lot about you. Why don't you um, tell the audience a bit about yourself? What's your story and your background? Sure. Yeah. So I've been in technology for over 35 years. And if you count when I got my first computer at age nine longer. So I've been a, a lifetime geek and deep in the technology. And it's just something that's been easy for me, just kind of wired that way. Uh, worked at Cray and SGI, so early in my career with supercomputers, like the big stuff. Well, yeah, um, no, wow. Yeah, I was, I was very blessed and fortunate to do that. And, and I always say I got to work with lots of smart people, and, and that's always a powerful place to be. Um, did some uh, dot-com startups after that. Um, then I moved to uh, information security uh, in that world quite a bit. In the last 10 years, I've been uh, in healthcare. I'm, I'm crazy enough and altruistic enough in my nine to five that I think I can make healthcare in the States better. Uh, it's a big challenge. <laughs> but on the side, I've always been, uh, I've had a lot of things that I've always done on the side. I've never had just one career. And so I've been active in cryptography since the 90s. And uh, we're in, in what's called Epic Four. Uh, Bitcoin goes in about four year epics. I've been active since the second epic, so the 2013 era forward. Been active in Bitcoin. Okay, yeah, uh, for your epics, we're going to be getting right into that because uh, I literally have no idea how it works. I've been a real estate investor for 25 years, and I'm hoping that my audience, some of them obviously are doing this, but I think the majority are just kind of looking at it as like a black art. So let's go right back to basics. That's a great segue. So start off, um, maybe explain to our listeners what Bitcoin is and how it's, I don't know, different from traditional investing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a great question. It's Bitcoin's such a deep well, it's it's it can be overwhelming, right? And, and people don't sometimes engage because it's so overwhelming, just like any other investment vehicle. If it's scarier or if you're fearful, people don't take action. So uh, Bitcoin, I will I will simplify it. It does two things that I think are very different. So one is you are literally mining a currency and it's legal. The Secret Service in the States here wouldn't come after me for it. It's 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 a normal thing to do. We're not used to that. We're not used to the ability to create a currency that you can spend. 
The other that thing that it's very unique about it, I like to say it's like being Visa. So the Visa network gets a percentage of all transactions all the time. Um, those transactions are validated by Visa, the third party, or MasterCard, or Discover, or American Express. Bitcoin's very much like that. So you're both creating a currency and you're getting a percentage of the transactions when you mine. And that's that's a unique space to be in. We're not used to being able to do that as individuals. You know, we normally think that that's a big company that has to do that. So I say that's what's really unique about Bitcoin. Very briefly, Bitcoin itself is a different currency. We're not used to this in US dollar, Canadian dollar, yen, euro. They're all what are called fiat currencies. There's no gold backing them. It hasn't been in decades. Many people get confused about that. Uh, in the US, gold has not backed the dollar since 1971. In Canada, I think it's around 1930s. Euro and yen, they're not backed by anything other than the government's ability to pay. And the governments continue to issue uh, more debt to pay that. So it's they're continuing creating more money. So we're used to an inflationary currency that's always creating more volume of currency. I would call that inflation. It's really the valuation of the buying power. Uh, when I was a kid in the in the late 60s, you know, the equivalent of a thousand dollars then is about nine thousand dollars now. So it's devalued quite a bit. Bitcoin is different, and it takes a little while to get used to this. There's only 21 million Bitcoin ever. They're not making more. Now you can subdivide it in, in lots of ways, so you don't have to think about that but it's we're new to that we're not used to a currency that a government can't change or a bank can't change or you can't create more of so it's it's fairly unique i think as an investment because every other investment's got a currency underneath it some fiat currency that currency will devalue so you'll have some inflationary hits bitcoin you won't have that so that's why i think it's a unique and i wouldn't say put all your money there but it's a very unique thing to add to a portfolio okay um, that's, that's a great intro and I'm still lost. I'm taking notes here. Sure, so, um, sure. I, I'm going to ask some questions that I, I'm hoping my listeners are also echoing. So you said there's great. only 21 million Bitcoin. Maybe, maybe back up and right. give me a history. I mean, how did, who invented it? Where did it come from? Why is it uh, not legal, but how is it a currency and how can we, is it just because we're trading it? So therefore trading something has value? All great questions. Yes. So uh, Bitcoin started in 2009, uh, either from an individual or group of individuals known as Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, we don't know who that person is or isn't. They've, they've stayed out of it. But um, it's a protocol that's based on something called proof of work. So there's work that has to happen, cryptography work that has to happen to create that value. Uh, without going too deep into cryptography, because um, that'll bore all your listeners and everyone else, but there's a big, big honking math problem that has to happen, and it has to happen in order, one after another, to be validated. Um, the reason it has value is if you think about uh, the amount of energy it takes to create something, literally electricity costs, create something, that's part of its value. That's why proof of work is very powerful. Because literally computers have spent energy and time calculating a problem. There's a math problem behind it. Therefore, it has value. Um, it's different than other currencies. Um, Bitcoin has an open ledger, so you can see everything, unlike you know, like the Visa network or, or a reserve bank. So I mean, that, that's why it's different. Um, that's why it has value. I mean, certainly human beings have to use it. So it has to be transactional value and those sorts of things for any currency, right, to have value. And it's gaining quite a bit. Um, you know, it's still 
we're still in the you know sub one trillion dollar phase so that's not giant but it's also not tiny and we're running around 700 billion dollar valuation in bitcoin today which is you know bigger than an apple or you know other big companies but as a currency it's still we're still early okay i think i'm getting it so when you say there's a finite amount i mean like your example with the dollar, right? I mean, we all hear about these countries. Right. Well, we'll just print more, right? <laughs> Which um, right. they do, what and they do. <laughs> it it obviously devalues them. So, I mean, where did the cap come from? Like the twenty one million? Um, maybe tell me about that, so I can maybe understand. Absolutely. So, Bitcoin's all math, and and it's it's actually open source. You can see the algorithm itself. The algorithm itself limits it to twenty one million, and it's not like you can go in and just tweak it there's there's a lot of very complex math that will limit it to a total of 21 million okay now that 21 million we're used to like um you know canadian dollar us dollar that just without a decimal point after it uh each one of those 21 million can basically have a million decimal points so there's plenty of abundance in currency to go around that's often a question that comes up oh my gosh only 21 million that's not enough um Right, and we're used to, to your point, we're used to governments and banks printing money <laughs> to, get, to get out of problems. And there's a forcing function here where you can't do that. And so, you know, you've got to solve the problem instead of kicking the can down the road, right, and giving it to our kids. Which is a, a good thing, actually, right? Um, yeah. Right, right. Okay, so speak to me about mining. I mean, we've heard about it. What exactly is it? Sure. So... It's actually incredibly simple. <laughs> a, a miner itself is a piece of hardware. It's about the size of a shoebox, give or take. It's got a fan that, that sucks air in and a fan that pushes air out. And inside of it are specially designed. It's different than normal computer servers that you'd see in like a Google server farm or Apple server farm. They're hard designed to mine Bitcoin. And again, mining is just the notion that you're creating a currency and you're validating transactions. Um, there's a lot more complexity and depth to that, but that's that's really what's going on. There are approximately 7 million miners around the world. It's decentralized mining Bitcoin. And um, it happens every day, 24-7. They're just there working away. And somebody who gets into this, obviously, that adds to that number then. Exactly right. Exactly right. And it's... Uh, and any individual can do this. Now, it can be daunting again because, oh my gosh, how do I get into this? It's new. Uh, it seems technical. It seems scary. There are large corporations you know, putting mining farms in. And actually, a lot of energy companies are starting to get involved because it's a very useful way to balance the grid. Or um, I've seen Exxon recently and others, the gas flaring sites. So when you, when you mine natural gas and they're just burning that gas straight up in the atmosphere as methane, you can take that, use that energy instead of it creating raw methane, which is awful, even worse than CO2, uh, as a generation source and, and power Bitcoin miners. So there's some very interesting things energy companies are starting to do in this okay. space. I'm going to ask a question, um, and I don't care if I sound stupid because there's no stupid questions, and it's my podcast. So. No, no, not at all. All right. So you said there's a finite amount of Bitcoin, and yet you also said a miner right. creates currency. So those two statements to right. me are confusing. How are we creating something yeah. that is has a finite supply? Right. So another great question. Each um, every day, roughly nine hundred Bitcoin are created. Um, we're not to that twenty-one million cap. We're about nineteen million now. 
Um, and in the algorithm, it steps down. Um, so this coming April, it's something called the halving, where it will create half as much in those 10-minute increments. So instead of 900 Bitcoin a day, it'll create 450 Bitcoin a day. And the algorithm just keeps having that down. Um, so, so there's that scarcity. Now, at some point, there will only be 21 million Bitcoin in existence, approximately 100 years from now. Those miners will need to handle all the transaction load. The thought is at that time, there'll be so much adoption that you know, that'll be their primary payment source. But that's a couple generations away from us. <laughs> we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, it's it's not all yet created. And so um, there's that. And then also, you know, there's a transaction. If I, I were to pay you, you know, half a half a Bitcoin today, that transaction would need to get validated by the miners. Um, that it was there's no third party, right? There's no title company or anything else in between us. It's literally peer to peer. Um, and the, the Bitcoin network is validating, yep, yep, that was a valid transaction that this money really passed from me to you. Okay, uh, I think I'm getting it. So um, the value of a Bitcoin, is it trending upwards? Has it always trended? Have we seen peaks and valleys? Yeah, we will. So the way the algorithm is structured, it's almost like I'm not a surfer, but I know people that are. You see the waves coming in the swells and you know when to predict which wave to ride and which one not to. Right. If you time it wrong, you're going to eat um, the reef. If you time it right, you're going to have a very pleasant ride. And similar with real estate and everything else. There's there's peaks and valleys and times that are going to be better to buy than others. It does go up and down. Um, primarily around that event called the having, where you're basically reducing your uh, supply, right? And so there's scarcity in, in an asset, so it goes up. We are in the rise right now. We probably will be on the rise through, again, not financial advice, but through late 24, early 25. That's probably the next all-time high. And then it will drop again, and some people will freak out about that, not knowing that four years from now it's going to go up and up. Um, you know, we'll probably see something close to 100K, 120K US dollar valuation. And that late 24, early 25, that's what other experts say that I trust. Uh, if you carry that out further, which I do, I'm looking at generational wealth, we'll see seven figure Bitcoin 2030 and beyond. Um, you know, almost without a doubt, the way the adoption's happening. You know, nothing's a sure thing. And I look at this as an and and a small percentage allocation and certainly a high risk one. But Yes, it goes, uh, short answer to your question, it does go up and down. We're on a rise. We're year to date about 130%. I was around 15,000. Now we're around 37,000 uh, from a US dollar you know, conversion okay. rate. Um, that was actually going to be my next question. So as of today's recording, a Bitcoin, a single Bitcoin is worth how much did you say? Uh, approximately 37,000. I didn't look this morning, but right around Okay. There. And for practical purposes... When somebody is mining, how long does it take? I mean, does it depend on how many servers you have? I mean, speak to me about that. that sure. Account. Yeah. The, the factors in mining that make you money are a few, few things. One is negotiating a low energy rate, right? Because it takes that energy to power the miner. So you want a, a low price per kilowatt hour on your hosting farm. You want a server farm that's up a lot. And you want a very efficient miner, meaning... Uh, the amount of power it uses versus the Bitcoin and outputs is, is a good ratio. And that's always getting better. Just like car efficiencies have gotten better over the decades, those minor efficiencies are getting better. So um, the, the rough ROI that I target is you know somewhere around a 12 to 18 month uh, where it's completely paid for the hardware and everything else. 
Um, folks that use this as a business, which I highly recommend, you can of course write off that energy cost and that minor cost as a business expense, right? And 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 keep and hold the Bitcoin. That's a really powerful strategy that's different than most investments. You know, in real estate, you can do that right, too. Right. But in stocks and bonds, we're not used to that, right? So, um, but roughly in 18 to 24 months, um, I do coach folks to hold that Bitcoin longer. I mean, even though you have an exit at that point, I would recommend holding at least five to 10 years because the upside is considerable. Just like in real estate, the longer you can hold that asset, the better, generally. So yeah, that's that's how it works. Um, so, you know, long-term over a decade, you may replace those miners. A miner lives roughly, from a hardware perspective, roughly three to five years. But in that four to fifth year, it's probably going to start to become less profitable um, for you as, as things are always iterating. Okay. So you have equipment costs to get started. Um, right. Sort of right. like a rental property, right? You have your rental property. You right. obviously have to purchase it. You've got, uh, you know, acquisition costs, legal fees, things like that. And everybody's going for that cash flow. That's the end game where it's starting to make you money, but you have to purchase all of this. And then you're hoping that nothing happens along the way. So you've got hydro as well. And I mean, I think what I'm not understanding, a miner, what is it exactly doing? It's obviously connected to the internet, but in the right. like, the math, the algorithm, the computer jargon, uh, tell maybe try to demystify that part for me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, cryptography at first is, is generally the use of very, very big high prime numbers. They're doing a really complex math problem that you can't just do on a spreadsheet or in your head. It needs some pretty serious compute. So if you imagine, you know, a number with, you know, 100,000 digits in front of it times another one and that output, most of cryptography, most of security, quite frankly, is based on that. You know, if we have a secure connection on a web uh, interface doing credit card transaction, the pipe, if you will, is secured with cryptography. And it's basically big prime numbers, right, that are, that are difficult to break. Um, the miners all the time, they're connected to what's called a pool. There's multiple mining pools. So you, you can solo mine. You, you, most human beings do not do well. It's sort of like buying a lottery ticket and hoping you'll be a billionaire. But the likelihood's really low. So maybe not that low, but, but low. So most, most are in a pool. And the pool interacts with the network. Um, it's called hashing, which is just, just think of it as running. And on that network, there will be transactions. Um, so if that early example that I sent you a Bitcoin or half a Bitcoin, that transaction will be in the pool as well as creating what's called the next block. And so literally, if you think of um, like a freight train car, there's cars right in front of each other. Um, let's pretend you can't unconnect the freight cars. It's literally putting the next car in the block with a bunch of math around it. And, and in that freight car would be the transactions and the next, right now it's 6.25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. So it'd be that payload and it secures it, kind of puts a package of math around it. So it's, you can repeat it um, and it is validated and then it moves on to the next. I don't know if I made that worse you know or what? better, but I, that's, that's the easiest way I can describe it. actually made it better for me, maybe not my listeners, um, because I was actually trying okay. to help out my son <laughs> with his uh, college computer web development assignment last night, and we were going over hashing and salting. And so I had to look it up. And yeah, I mean, at least oh, nice. mystifying it for me, hashing, I believe, is sort of an algorithm. Uh, and there's different standards out there that will 
encrypt a password, right? And then decrypt on the other end right. so that somebody who's looking in a database right. can't see the actual password. They see all these letters and numbers. It's kind of like a, a one-way code on each side, right? Well said. Yep, okay. exactly. All right. So I had a bit of a light bulb there. Okay. So for the nice. non-techie, um, you know, who's not tech savvy, how accessible is this? Because it sounds like you need to have like master's degree in comp sci or something. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Um, it's it's more mindset than anything else and knowing where to go. So there are known good miners that cater to companies that cater to retail investors, which we would be, we're not buying a thousand miners, you're buying one or two or 10. Um, they host them for you, which I highly recommend. These miners, by the way, with those fans are really loud, like a jackhammer in your garage loud. So oh, wow. uh, you don't want that. And they, they do create a fair amount of heat, which is nice in the winter months, not so nice the other months. So I recommend someone hosting it for you and just takes care of litany. It's almost like a property management company taking care of property okay. for you, right? It's just, you have professionals taking care of it. So, and they don't charge a lot. It's, um, you know, usually it's just paid in the, the energy rate. They upcharge it a little bit. So if they're paying five cents a kilowatt hour, they charge you seven cents. And that's, it's that simple. So they'll buy it for you. They'll rack and stack it. They'll plug it in. Um, they'll ask you questions like, what pool do you want to put it in? Which they'll even recommend that for you. So that part of it's relatively simple once you know where to go. And I'm happy to share some some links that you can put in here so folks have the places I mine uh, that I've trusted and vetted. Um, and I no resell or anything. They're just good folks. Uh, and then um, they can recommend what type of miner to buy. Uh, generally, they're in the around 2,000 US dollar to around 4,000 US dollar as your initial cost. Um, your hosting rate is going to be somewhere around 150 to 200 dollars, depending on the miner. Uh, and you'll you'll generally make right now. Um, I'm converting Bitcoin to dollars, so you'll generally net around 200 to 300 dollars and more as Bitcoin value increases a month. So. And you see it right away. I mean, you, the nice thing is this is all transparent. There are web links to look at your miner hashing, to see it on the pool, to see all that. So it's very visible. But I think it's just that first getting in, knowing who to talk to that you can trust and um, having them set the miner up for you and go. Well, not much different than real estate. I mean, everybody has heard, knows somebody with a rental property and everybody also knows somebody who's had nightmare stories about rental properties, right? And how do you get into it? How do I right. buy it? And that's why obviously our other company, our property management company exists to try to help out people who just don't have the time or the knowledge to do it. This is, it's interesting that there's actually businesses that are propping up uh, around this space. Did you know that there is a big difference between investing in real estate and becoming a real estate investor? People become real estate investors all the time. They get into a flip or conversion project or even dealing with long-term tenants. And they come back to us to tell us the same thing. It's like having another full-time job. I don't know about you, but that's not what we call investing. Investing in real estate is about having your money work for you in a way that is passive, consistent, most importantly, hands off. So which one are you? Do you want to be a real estate investor or do you want to invest in real estate? For those that are open to investing in real estate and having your money work for you, listen up. 
Garrett Wong has spent decades helping thousands of property owners navigate the ins and outs of property investing and management through his award-winning company, Upper Edge Property Management. Their new division, Upper Edge Capital, is currently involved in multiple projects, from single-family flips to multifamily development. Are you looking for a healthy return on your invested capital, or perhaps becoming a joint venture partner? If so, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to book a time to speak with Garrett and his team to see if there is a fit. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. Now, back to the show. Yeah, it's, um, and they're doing doing relatively well. I mean, they're, the, the way they make money is, you know, there's interest and excitement in this. They make a little bit of margin on the hardware and they make a little bit of money on um, your, your monthly hosting rate. So it's similar to computer server hosting farms. It's, it's kind of the same model. Okay. So, I mean, when I, when we say, Bitcoin is crypto, basically, right? Is that what is? Is it one and the same, or are there different types of crypto type of currencies? Yeah. So hardcore Bitcoiners will very, um, maybe even violently say Bitcoin is not crypto. Now, we'll get to that in a second. Technically, it is a cryptocurrency, and there's I think roughly twenty five thousand cryptocurrencies. There's a very very large number. Bitcoin's the largest by market cap. I would say it's the most mature, even though I'm biased, um, and it's one of the few that's based on proof of work, which is important. The, the reason that the hardcore Bitcoiners will say it's not crypto is because sadly all of the scams from the bad actors come from other things in the crypto space. And honestly, those bad actors would probably do it. And if it weren't for crypto, they'd do it somewhere else, right? We've seen these patterns of bad actors taking people's money and doing nefarious things for way too long. So that's why the Bitcoiners are, are all about that. There's also um, not all cryptocurrencies have a hard limit. They're not don't all have that scarcity. So some of them echo what happens in the fiat world. And for hardcore Bitcoiners, that's very hard. We, we're very um, into that scarcity and deflationary being a net different. Um, again, it's it's we're used to a, a diversity in our stocks and bonds. You know that coaching of buy at least twenty stocks or bonds and, and diversify. But in a currency, that's not always necessarily going to move you forward, especially if what's underneath that currency isn't the same, right? If you're just buying another fiat currency that happens to be a cryptography-based one, have you moved the dial forward? Long-term, probably not. Um, if they have a scarcity, if they're based on proof of work, they're net different. Uh, there's, there's always been a big debate between the Bitcoiners, we'll call them, and the Ethereum folks. Um, Ethereum folks will talk about blockchain and new technology, and there are a lot of tokens around Ethereum, and it's the silver to gold. You know, that whole discussion, um, after going through this over the last eight years, and I was looking at all cryptos, I've settled on Bitcoin as what I think is the community is the strongest behind, you know, and, and talking to these folks. Um, they're very supportive. Like, how can I help make you successful versus... How can we rig the system and make money? And that just resonates with me better, you know, as a father and as a human and wanting to leave an impact. I'd rather be involved with something a little more like that than it almost looks like a get rich quick scheme, right? Or a venture capital company pouring money sure. in to pump something. Yeah, right? It just, it just doesn't yeah. feel right. Mm -hmm. So, okay. but that's my bias. So there are folks in the Ethereum space that will say bad things about Bitcoin, I suppose, too. <laughs> but my, my bias, and it's, it's really from just working in this for some time and making some big mistakes 
it is Bitcoin. Okay, so you threw out a couple terms there. Um, yeah. I'm assuming those are other cryptocurrencies. Can you just sort of name the top five, other than Bitcoin, most common currencies that people are also doing like in this space just so sure yeah and this to... this changes some um there's a great website called coin market cap that will show the top 10 by market cap bitcoin and ethereum are always one and two uh, bitcoin is is i mean 70 plus percent of the market cap value of of the rest of these um, and there's like twenty five thousand of them it's crazy how many get created um you'll see um ones that are pegged to the US dollar, so US dollar coin or US dollar um, USDT. Again, they're just for transactions kind of pegged to the US dollar, so they're not much different than the US dollar as a fiat currency. Uh, you'll see Dogecoin and Solana, Cardano, a variety of others. And, and what you'll notice about those others is they have a CEO. They're probably funded by venture capital. You know, it's, they have the characteristics of like a tech startup. Uh, Bitcoin doesn't have that at all. So it's another way that it's different. Um, there's a foundation that makes sure that the code set is maintained in that, but there's no CEO, there's no centralization of it. Um, and again, I'm probably sound like I'm, I'm trying to preach religion here, but that's that's what's net different about the other cryptocurrencies. There's new ones popping up all the time. Honestly, they start to look like penny stocks to me, you know, um, a pink sheet type stuff that just, there's not a lot of value behind. Um, in, in my opinion, when you've got someone that's already working, it's incredibly well vetted. Uh, BlackRock and Fidelity and other big fish in this space are trying to do ETFs that are 100% Bitcoin based. So you have some really big investment money institutional coming into Bitcoin specifically and not okay. into all those other 25,000. Got it. Okay. I, I think I understand. There's more of a purity and a, and a, a, a community around it that just seems to try to uh, go toward more of an altruistic goal. Absolutely. Okay. So in terms of risk then, because that was one of uh, my next questions, um, yeah. how do you advise investors to manage or mitigate these risks in crypto? Yeah, I, um, there are a lot of them and I, I've been burned by them too. And I'd love to keep everyone else away from them. Um, cloud mining. I've yet to see a good provider. There might be one now that I just don't know about, but, most cloud mining, if you say, hey, just cloud mining and just give us some money and we'll mine for you without you actually buying a piece of hardware that's hosted, stay away from. Every single one I've seen and I've been burned by a few years ago, it's a scam. It's There's not really a hardware miner behind it. So they'll take 250000 5000 and there'll be a rug pull in 90 days and it's gone. So stay away from cloud mining. Um, a real mining hardware place will give you a serial number you know, a purchase order if you want. They'll show it being racked and stacked. Um, you can see everything live with that miner. Like Bitcoin doesn't have any s secrets. It's all seen in the open. So I would stay away from cloud mining. Um, there's other cryptocurrency miners out there, and you'll see ones come and go that are that look very profitable. Like if you're just looking at the numbers and you don't know, that coin will be profitable for a few months, and then the hardware becomes junk. And okay. so... Stay away. I would stay away from things other than Bitcoin in this space, not just because I'm a Bitcoiner, but I've been burned by it. Um, I've bought other miners thinking, hey, I can make some money here. This looks really good. And then it basically it goes to zero and I've got, you know, a, a giant paperweight. Um, so you know, don't do that. <laughs> and the other last thing I would say, this is an and. So I'm not advocating people put all of their money here, but an allocation over zero is probably good. 
Um, but this is this is a small play. This is you know a one to two percent of your portfolio, or even just like a thousand bucks, and and let it go. That's the right place, I think I would put this. There's a lot of unknown. As much as I love Bitcoin, so it's not time to put everything there. But as a hard asset to add, I think it's a very very strong one. Okay. No, I I like that. I like that uh, mindset because uh, I don't believe everybody should be only in real estate. I believe balance is good. So you're you're basically. I don't want to say preaching, but uh, your message yeah. <laughs> is, you know, it's it's uh, as stable as it can be for a new emerging um, currency. And if you approach it like anything else, that's a little bit higher risk. But you, you know, allocate a, a small portion of your portfolio, it can pay off. The ROA is decent. Right? Absolutely. Yep, that's a great way. I think the other, the last thing I would just add, if I could, is um, the generational wealth upside of of this asset. I think is unique enough that it makes sense to play in the space a little bit you know even if you're wrong um you haven't you're, you're not out a lot but if you're right the upside is is pretty considerable okay well i love the term generational wealth because uh we yeah. in real estate use it a lot right. so right. um tell me about that i mean how give me an example of somebody who starts mining today what can it mean to their kids and grandkids yeah mining or even just buying bitcoin um so Something unique about Bitcoin is you literally can take self-custody. You don't need a bank to hold it or a title company to hold it. There's no lawyers in the middle. There's no bank. You literally, if you will, own that Bitcoin uh, on the blockchain. And it's also digital, which just means it's pretty easy to distribute or do some interesting rules around like maybe we're afraid our kids will blow it. Like if they all of a sudden got $10 million and that's not what they're used to being around, that can be overwhelming and human beings can do make mistakes, you know, buy the Porsche and the, and the house or whatever else. You can do things with Bitcoin because of technology. Like, let's just give them 1% a year, right? Or let's um, match their salary. Um, or, so there's some kind of cool techie things you can do. But a few things. One is is the if you look at the percentage gain in Bitcoin, because it's early adopter and we're, we haven't even hit the early adopter curve yet on this, um, if you run the numbers, we're somewhere around 60 to 65% a year as, as a long-term investment. I mean, that's that's massive. And again, okay. don't put all your money here because high risk means you know, high downside too, potentially. But if that even comes close to holding for 50 years, right, 1000 bucks becomes $10 million plus. Um, and if you want to leave generational wealth for your family or a nonprofit you care about, um, you know, and, and we're playing a really big space here, uh, being able to hand 10 million down to generations is not what normal humans, you know, at the uh, even even upper incomes are used to. I mean, that's a that's a big fish thing that they're able to do. So that that's why I'm excited about it. Again, it's an and. I think real estate is a great one. I think hard assets like gold and silver, as a small percentage, are smart to add in. But yeah, it's it's exactly like real estate in the sense that the time value of money is going to increase that. They're not making more real estate or at least land with the exception of Dubai, making new islands, um, <laughs> right? So um, you've got a hard asset and you've got a limited supply. So in time, it's only going to go up uh, in value. So I think real estate and Bitcoin are really similar that way. Just the upside with Bitcoin and it being digital and also that you have self-custody. You don't have to go through a bank. Or, or anything like that to distribute it to your loved ones. Uh, it's pretty powerful. Okay. Um, I did some research. I did my homework on you before we came here. Nice. And I, I know that you wrote a book. Um, tell me about Hashrate. Yeah. So Hashrate was my attempt 
um, and I'm, I'm very honored that it did did well when he launched it to demystify this and kind of give a step by step, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this, because I'm a geek and I just know this stuff. And I don't think it's fair that I've got an upside because I know some things other people don't know. There's other people that know things that I don't know that have helped me out right in life. So it just seemed the right thing to do to put that out there. Um, that said, honestly, the most success I've had is like one-on-one -on -one with clients because it is just such, it's a mindset thing. It's scary and it's new and there's lots of steps and you really just want a guide to walk you through that. But hatch rates out there, it's on Amazon. I think um, it's pretty inexpensive. I think it's only a few dollars for the ebook version. Um, it's $21 because that's an honor to uh, Bitcoin's 21 million <laughs> as a oh, uh, paperback. Okay. Um, and it's out there. I do mention other cryptocurrencies only because most people come into this with, hey, what about all the other things? And so I want to honor that and also build up their thought process and their skills so they can make the choice right for them. They may really say, hey, I want to mine um, Dogecoin and Litecoin, and that's what I want to do. And at least I, I set them up with the right information. I wouldn't recommend that, but mm -hmm. at least they're making an informed decision here. No, that's great. No, we'll throw the uh, that link into the show notes. Um, sure. I know that you talk about patterns uh, to succeed and you've kind of touched on it here. Could you share maybe one key pattern or strategy that you think is at least crucial uh, for success? Uh, holding. And then uh, in Bitcoin, it's called hodling, H-O-D-L. Um, inside joke, now you'll all be on the inside. Early on, there was an email sent where they were talking about holding the Bitcoin for a long time being the value and the guy misspelled it as H-O-D-L. And so all the Bitcoiners have adopted as hodling just as a cultural thing. And it's fun. You'll see that on a T-shirt. So because it's a long-term asset, just like real estate, um, hold it. Now, since it's digital and you can interact on the website with it, a lot of people are doing the wrong thing, right? They're, 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 um, they're selling when it's low and buying when it's high. Um, you know, just human behavior things happen. The best thing you can do is, is hold it and, and, yes, be smart about it. But hold it. I've been burned more than once early on going, oh, it doubled and and I've got an awesome exit, which sounds good, right? If I would have held those now, so some of those Bitcoin I bought were around $100, $150 and I didn't have a lot of it. I had 10 Bitcoin at the time. Of course, now that's $37,000. So you do the math. I've had a third of a, a million bucks on that tiny investment and, and later even more. So um, just hold it. As, as long as you can. Um, it's not saying don't buy a thing here or there with it, but but hold it as the biggest advice I can give. The other is if you're not going to mine, there are some ways that you can just do a dollar cost average, just buy 50 bucks of it every week. And um, you know, just like any other investment, a little bit of money all the time into it, you'll ride out those waves of Bitcoin going up and down and, and you'll have a net positive. So if you're if you're not going to mine, which is totally fine, I do recommend just a small dollar amount, 25, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks a week um, is a smart way in. Okay. Um, no, that's, that's great advice. Um, dollar cost averaging with any investment I think is, is great. Um, you mentioned something called bear traps in the book um, yeah. and maybe trying to avoid them. Maybe explain what that concept is all about. Sure. Yeah. I, I've mentioned cloud mining, which is one of them. One I, I can go to in a little bit of depth is um, there almost always seems to be a new coin that's going to save the world that pops up 
and the if you look at the profitability, it looks great. Where you know Bitcoin's making making you know, ten or fifteen dollars a day. Why well, this coin does a hundred dollars a day makes a lot of sense. It's got a very interesting um, group of founders. Maybe J.P. Morgan or a big name is in there. So people will buy these miners. I'll tell you a real story. Um, and luckily, I was able to protect investors from this later. But I got excited personally about uh, a coin called Kadena, which no one's ever even talking about anymore. But at the time, four years ago, oh my gosh, Kadena is a stuff. And it did have a JP Morgan person behind it. And the miners are super profitable. And I knew it was high risk. But at the time, Bitcoin miners were more expensive. They're around $10,000 each. This miner was $50,000 each. However, it supposedly returned $3,000 a month. Right. And so I bought into that uh, miner. I set it up. And, and sadly, a few months later, that became almost zero a month because Kadena was not very, it was backed by a VC. They did a pump and dump kind of scheme. You know, I didn't know the signs to look for. Right. Probably just like a, a rental property, not knowing to the little things you look for or even the big things or not having a home inspection to, to know uh, what you've walked into, which sadly people do that, too. Um, I didn't have the, the equivalent of a home inspection on on looking at the miner. And and even though I'm smart and, and I, I know this space, I missed out. I had a big blind spot to this and got burned. So I've never been burned with any single one of my Bitcoin mining purchases, even when I bought them a little for more money. Like that, That's never been an issue. I've almost always been somewhat burned by other coins. So I, I would stay away from the shiny object syndrome. If it looks better, and, and especially like a 10x better, it probably isn't. Um, so I'd watch that. Uh, the cloud mining I would watch. And you know anyone that offers to buy Bitcoin for you, you don't need them. That is one of the biggest scams. Um, it, it's funny, people, you know, if someone called us on the phone or we got some junk mail, we know how to operate with that or junk email. You know, just delete it and get rid of it and block or, or junk phone calls. Somehow in the crypto space still, it, like that turns off for people. They forget like their their skill set of this is a scam and how to detect it. And like, oh, this must be a great deal. And he told me he has all these followers and he can buy it for me. Wow, that's it. Like, run. <laughs> you can buy Bitcoin yourself in so many different places. You know, all the exchanges, the Coinbases and Gemini. You can buy it from Swan and River directly. You don't need someone to buy it for you. Um, so that's probably more than one, sorry, but I, I just get tired of seeing people burned by scams and then they have a bad taste in their mouth about Bitcoin and it's such an opportunity and there's such a legitimate group of people behind that. I don't want people to miss out. No, for sure. You're definitely passionate about it. Um, and just that a little. Me, yeah, no, my <laughs> next point, I know that you um, you do uh, offer services around this. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you do and you know, your, I think you have a done for you and a done with you type of model. I do. So um, I have a, a newer program that really has rolled out. So I have roughly 60 investors now in Bitcoin mining where I'm, I'm setting up mining farms for them. They have full view to everything I've done. And just the next thing I want to do is create generational wealth. So my, my crazy goal is that over 50 years, because I won't be here for the other side of this, I want to create a billion dollars plus of generational wealth for folks that might not have done it. That sounds like a big number. When you start to undo it, it's actually not that big. I need roughly to serve about 160 people and, and it would create that. And I'm just convinced that future generations will have choices that maybe we didn't and, and use that for good. I'm, it's an altruistic thing. I know that might not happen, but that's where I'm coming from. So the program walks through, it's a 90 day program. Um, 
I take folks step by step. So like the conversation we have are having, I walk folks through that. I've got an online course that goes with it. Um, I help them. I, I have sort of a VIP red carpet, white glove, if you will. Here's all the stuff you need and ship it to you. So I take all the mystery out of it. Um, it's, it's very much a VIP walk you through one by one and um, also set you up for when you have your discussion with your lawyer of choice and add this to your trust. Here's the things to say. You know, so it's very simple for you to add that. I'm not a lawyer, not a financial advisor. I'm, I'm not going to serve that purpose, but I'll make it a lot easier for you. So you're not spending, you know, 10 hours of lawyer's time. You're spending an hour. So, so that's the program. It's really for folks that want to have this and and create generational wealth through Bitcoin. And they might be doing it through real estate and stocks and bonds too. And they're, they're curious enough about, hmm, you know, if, if I do this now and it's only a few thousand dollars of Bitcoin I'm putting in, and I set it up for my kids um, and I take self-custody, which is different. We're used to banks being quote unquote safe. <laughs> but if you, if you take that self-custody and you're able to distribute it directly, there's no banks or probate or any of that mess when it's your time. It's it's really exciting to me to do that and to see what people will do. So, so that's the program. Um, it's on my website. I've got a, a really simple assessment. It's just a quiz that walks through is this right or not right for you? And kind of helps score your 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 IQ if this is of interest to you, and that's free. Um, I also have a tool that's kind of fun that looks at if you were to kick your Starbucks habit, um, how much money you could put against Bitcoin and what that would be, you know, in the future. Just as a fun play with numbers thing, those are always fun. Real estate or stock or anything to play with those numbers. Okay, well that's great. Um, as we as we wrap up here, why don't you uh, speak to our audience about the future? Um, how do you see it changing? Where are yeah. we going with Bitcoin? It's um, the adoption curve is going massively up. So uh, today, or maybe this weekend, it was announced the new president of Argentina, who is a Bitcoiner, um, is looking to do, follow what El Salvador did and make it a national currency over time. So we've got major countries like we don't sometimes think of South American countries as major, but they're they're major in the world starting to do this. Uh, you've got large. Uh, BlackRock, Fidelity, Valkyrie, large institutional money coming into the space. So there's going to be an adoption curve going up um, and the, a different class of investors coming into this, right? We're moving from individuals and, and small companies to large ones. So adoption is going to go up. Um, the mining hardware itself, the technology is getting um, really cool from a temperature perspective. So immersion mining, which is something uh, we did with Cray Supercomputers in the 90s, where it's in a special type of liquid which helps with the heat and the noise that's going to catch on. Uh, that's good for everyone. The miners will last longer. They'll be quieter. Um, so we'll see more adoption. You know, we're also going to see more noise. It, it's a new space. All kinds of headlines will come out. Uh, there's a headline in 2017 that Newsweek said Bitcoin is going to end the world's power by 2020. Um, that didn't happen. So <laughs> we'll see other headlines like that or that it's bad for the grid when it actually is good. I mean, it's just the normal thing that happens with anything new. Uh, to create a headline. So you'll see more noise. The miners are going to get cooler. Um, I think we'll have continued upside right now at being at 37K and knowing the next all-time high. I'll record it now. I'm thinking it's going to be around 100 to 120K, late 24, early 25, and smarter people than me have, have come up with that. It's going to be fun to watch, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's, that's what we have to look forward to. I think there'll be an, a set of technologies that are already being built that will be launched and announced soon that are really exciting. So there's something called the Lightning Network that runs in Bitcoin that does over 1 million transactions per second, 
which is faster than everything we have on the planet, all banks and Visa combined. So the thing will scale, <laughs> which has always been a concern. So, so lots of fun stuff to watch. And I think it's a fun enough space to have it be an and for most people and what they're looking at. Okay. Fantastic. Oh, that, that was great, Chris. Um, before you leave, um, I ask every guest this question, and I'd like to hear what you have to say. Uh, so this is the Investing to Win podcast. So how do you define success, and what does winning look like for you? Yeah, I, uh, winning is all about serving to me. I was brought up that way. My mom was a hospice chaplain. We always worked to serve others, and it's just in my DNA. I don't do it altruistically. It makes me happy to do that. And so the winning here is you know, creating that next billion dollars in generational wealth from people that wouldn't normally do that. Um, I think the other is giving an exposure to a deflationary currency, which can only bring abundance. We're so used to this debt culture and our whole country is being just enslaved to this debt and, and it's not getting better. Um, at least there's, we call it a plan B in Bitcoin. At least there's a plan B out of this to investigate. So uh, that's what I see as a win and, and people having fun. It's, it's a fun space to be in. Excellent. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I took pages and pages of notes here, and I hope my uh, ep- my listeners will do so as well. So thanks again, and uh, we'll leave all that information in the show notes. Awesome, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Investing to Win podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of another investor, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. Investing to win is not only about helping you to win more, but win actually stands for Wise Investors Network. It's where we help our investors build a hands-off portfolio and have passive investments work for them. To catch the show notes for this episode and see how you can potentially partner with us, go to www.upperedgecapital.com and click on Invest With Us to learn more. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.